Egypt, that story. And they settled down there. And God had told Abraham, their forefather, that they'd be down there for 400 years and then he would take them out of there. So there was 400 years that Israelites were in Egypt. And they grew and became a great nation, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They became a, 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 a lot of people. And so they, they became slaves to the Egyptians over, over the course of time. And God's promise was still there, but they were suffering badly under great and terrible uh, slavery. They were being treated cruelly. And so Moses, prince of Egypt, who was an Israelite, was a story in itself, he decides, he sees one of the slave masters beating one of his Hebrew brothers, <clears throat> that he goes and he steps in and he kills that slave master. And <clears throat> the next day he sees two other Israelites fighting with each other and he tried to come between them and try to make peace with them. And the one says to him, he says, are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian uh, slave master? And Moses realized that it was known that he had killed this man, the slave master. And so he fled Egypt. He went to the land of Midian. And in Stephen's speech in the New Testament in the book of Acts, he said that Moses thought that the Israelites at that time would understand that God could use him to deliver them. But they did not. So Moses was disillusioned and he went away and he was gone. And 40 years he spent in the land of Midian as a shepherd over his father in law's sheep. And while he is there, of course, he sees the burning bush. And the bush is burning, but it's not being burned up. And that's where we pick up the story. Chapter 3 and verse 6. God speaking to Moses. Wherever he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I surely have seen the oppression of my people for in Egypt. <coughs> And have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land, that land, to a land, good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Now therefore... Behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. You know, a lot of those people assume that God has just forgotten about them there. They cried out to the Lord and nothing was happening. But with God, there's always timing. God's timing is never late. 
It's never early. It's always on time. And God sees what's going on. In the book of Isaiah, it says, He who has formed the eye, shall he not see? He who has formed the ear, shall he not hear? He does see what's going on in our lives. And so as we look at this, we don't look at this as a history lesson and a Bible lesson about what happened to them so much as, what is it saying to us? Because it says in the New Testament, the things that were written beforehand in the Old Testament were written for our learning and for our encouragement, for our guidance, for us to open our eyes. Somehow, we sometimes think that God was someone off way out in the distance, and that he's not really involved in what's going on in our life. That he's not that close. The Bible says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the Lord himself. It's interesting. Jesus says, I never longer, I no longer call you servants, but friends. So then in verse t- uh, 10, it says, The Lord continues to speak to Moses, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you, that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, and you shall serve the Lord on this mountain. Moses looked, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Moses looked at himself and said, who am I? Forty years before this, Moses was ready. Now he's no longer ready. But Moses was looking at himself as prince of Egypt, and having the power of Egypt behind behind him. Now, and all the resources of Egypt, now he's been humbled 40 years later. Now he's nothing but a shepherd. And he doesn't see himself that way anymore. But God says, yeah, I'm sending you because I'll be with you. And it makes all the difference of the world if the Lord is with us. And so we go on in verse 16. We skip down to verse 16. God says to Moses, Go, gather the elders of Israel together, and say to them, Lord God of of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me. I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites. So forth. Verse 18. Then they will listen to your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of its midst. And after that he will let you go. 
God has laid out his plan from beginning to end, right there. Right there. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to send you to him. The elders are going to go with you to Pharaoh. He's not going to let you go until I beat him up in the whole land. I'm going to beat this whole land up and destroy it. And then after I'm done with him, then he's going to let you. So it's all laid out. And so this is what Moses and Aaron told all of Israel. What God said. He's not going to let you out right away. I am sure that the king of Egypt, God has foreknowledge. And so sometimes when God is at work, we kind of have a blind spot. We don't see God at work. We're not really hearing what he's saying. He's laying out right in front of us, but we have a blind spot. Just like Moses did, just like the Israelites. We're going to see that they're seeing and hearing things that they're not understanding. So then we go, from there we go to, uh, let's see, maybe that, yes, chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not an eloquent, I am not eloquent, means he doesn't speak well. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the, the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I'll be with your mouth, and teach you what you will say. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Moses doesn't want to do this. You know, before he wanted to do it, lead his people, the people so much that he was willing to kill a man. A slave master of Egypt was beating one of the Israelites. Now he doesn't want to do it. And God's still reasoning with them. Finally, verse 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he also is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. And like I said, God's timing is never off. Isn't it interesting that 40 years later, his brother comes out to see him? Well-spoken man. Aaron's on his way out to see your brother. Go with him. Pull up. And so, we go to uh, chapter 4, verse 29. 
Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. And then he did the signs in the sight of the people. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked down on their affliction, that they bowed their heads and worshipped. They believed, it said. But it's a funny thing about faith, that trials will come to test it to see what it's made out of, as we read in the New Testament. Peter, first Peter. Fiery to fiery trials to test our faith. So they worshiped the Lord and they were glad and they believed. But then when we go to the next chapter, chapter five. John, if you could read chapter five. The whole, the whole chapter? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I'll let you <clears throat> Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. Nor will I, I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days, journey into the desert, and sacrifice to our Lord, our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their labor, from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of bricks that they, which, they much make, which they made before. You shall not reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry out, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men, that they may labor in it, and let, let them not regard false words. And the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people, saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get for yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad until through throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry, saying, Fulfill your work, your daily quota, as when there was straw. Also the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were, and, and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, that they, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed your servants are beaten, but, what, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, idle. Therefore you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore go now and work, for no straw shall be given to you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. After it was said, 
You shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, Let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hands to kill us. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people. Neither have you delivered the people at all. If you listen to this story in this chapter that John just read, you can see that the children of Israel, when they heard that God was going to deliver them, they like, yes. And they were packing their bags and ready to go. All right, we're going. And they're all ready to go. And nothing happens. Nothing happened. <coughs> nothing good anyway, as far as they could see. The next thing that happens is, is that Pharaoh gets angry with them. And of course he puts out the mandate, same number of bricks, but you got to get your own straw. We're not giving you straw anymore. And of course, that made it impossible for them to make the same number of bricks. And they're beating the, 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 the leaders and everything and all this stuff. And so they go to Moses. They're angry with Moses. You know? You know, that... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> you made us to be horrible in the sight of Pharaoh. Look what they've done to us. You put a sword in Pharaoh's hand to kill us. And so Moses, he's upset, and now he comes to God. He says, what are you doing? Why, why have you even sent me? Because... <coughs> Pharaoh's done evil to this people, and you haven't let them go, like you said. They haven't delivered you people, like you said. You know, it just goes to show you, sometimes we hear what we want to hear. Because, one of the, if you listen to Moses' words, but you backtrack to chapter 4, and it says, in verse 21, And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I put in your hand. But I will harden his heart. God will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Pharaoh. So, again, it wasn't like God did this without telling Moses and with Moses not telling and Aaron not telling this to the Israelites. Now, there's going to be some difficulty here. What he's saying. Pharaoh's going to have his heart hearted. And he's not going to let you go until I destroy Egypt. Until I do my signs and wonders. And finally he will let you go. So it wasn't like they had no, not that, no insight laid out to them. They didn't see it. They, they couldn't hear it. They heard what they wanted to hear. When I have my bags packed, I'm ready to go. God didn't deliver us. The Bible says we have a need of patience. 
We have to be patient in this process and wait on God. Those who wait on the Lord, He will renew their strength. They will mount up as wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Moses doesn't even see even God told him plainly. I'm going to harden his heart. He's not going to let this go until I'm done with power. So this is, in chapter 6, we hear God's response to Moses' unbelief. Now mind you, in the book of Hebrews, it lists men and women of faith. And Moses is in there. But a man of faith does not become a man of faith overnight most times. And so there is the making of the man of faith. And you can see that even the father of faith, Abraham, had to become a man of faith. He wasn't automatically a man of faith. God had taken him through certain things so that he had to become a man of faith. And so it is with Moses. He has to become a man of faith. And God is putting him through a process of dealing with Moses' unbelief and dealing with Abraham's unbelief and dealing with our unbelief. Because naturally, in the natural mind, we don't believe. It is through the Spirit that we come to believe. And we become a man of faith. So when Moses questions the Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on me? Why have you sent me? You haven't done what you said you're going to do. Chapter 6 and verse 1, God answers him. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will let them go. And with a strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as an inheritance. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke these words to the children of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of the sorrow or the anguish of their spirit and cruel bondage. That was God's answer. A lot of eyes. A lot of eyes in there. This is how it really is. I am the Lord. And this is what I'm going to do. And 
He brought, brought out the whole promise of the covenant to the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've remembered that covenant I made with them. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it in my time, and you're going to see it. The children of Israel are going to see it. I'm going to bring them out of this land. I'm going to give them the land of Canaan, whether they believe it or not. And so Moses came, and he spoke all the words God gave him. They couldn't hear it. They couldn't hear the word of God. Their heart had been hardened because of their trials and their sorrow and their bondage and the way they were being treated. You know, that's the way it can happen. Where are we at today? Are we in a place where we can hear what God's saying? Or are we letting circumstances harden our heart so that we can't hear where, where God's Word is plainly being laid out and we can't hear it? God has promised to answer our prayers. But maybe He hasn't answered them yet. And so, we're walking by what we're seeing. We're seeing things are not right. We're seeing how things are not the way we want them to be. The way we they had hoped them to be. And so we're walking by what we see instead of walking by faith. Instead of listening to God's word and living by that. And that's where the problem lies. They can harden our hearts to the point where we're hearing God's promises, we're hearing God's word, we're hearing, asking you shall receive. And it has no bearing on our... It has... We have no, it doesn't do us any good to hear that because our heart is hard. Because we're looking at what's going on around us and we're not seeing God at work. We're not understanding God's plan. And so we're discouraged. And we're in unbelief. And it's not that God hasn't told us that he would test our faith. It's not that God hasn't told us that we have to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It's not that we haven't heard these things. It's just that we're not taking God at his word anymore. We're walking by sight and not by faith. And they wouldn't listen to Moses. They couldn't, they couldn't take heed to the word of God because they were consumed with their circumstances. God did it anyway. He did it anyway because he's a God of his word. He said he was going to do it and he did it. He destroyed Egypt he killed the firstborn of Egypt, of all the firstborn of, of the Egyptians. And Israel was safe. None of the plagues harmed the, Egypt, harmed the Israelites. Egypt was destroyed. Pharaoh was humbled. Let my people go, and he let them go. When they went, they took gold from their Egyptian neighbors and jewels and everything else, and they, and they ransacked Egypt on the way out. They took the riches of Egypt with them. And they all saw it. 
They go out of Egypt with God's mighty hand, and they rejoiced. And they went out, and they're going all the way out, and God told them which way to go. Right up against the Red Sea. And they camped there. <clears throat> if you have ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments, the Pharaoh hardens his God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And <clears throat> he goes out after the after the Israelites to bring them back. And he brings the army with him. And in the movie version, Pharaoh says to his, his commander, he says, the God of Moses is not a very good, uh, not very good at military strategy. He says they're up against the sea. He says, they have, he says they're trapped. He says the God of Moses has trapped them right there. And he says, now he goes, we're going to go get them. The Israelites, they're up against the Red Sea. They see the armies of Egypt coming, Pharaoh's coming. Why have you done this to us? <clears throat> Why have you done this to us? To kill us here in the wilderness. Better if we were slaves in Egypt. They gained no insight from all that God had done to them in Egypt to destroy the Egyptians, to destroy their land. They still had no faith. They still were walking by nothing but by what they saw. When God was, they saw God's power, they praised the Lord. When they saw, didn't see God's power and they saw danger, they, had no, they, they didn't trust God. They only praised the Lord when it was going good. When they were tested, there was no faith. And so, <clears throat> God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? He says, tell the people to go forward. Use that rod that's in your hand that you brought those plagues on Egypt with. And hold it over the water. Of course, he separates the Red Sea, lets them across covers the Egyptians with water. The Israelites rejoice and sing and dance at the destruction of the army of Egypt, drowned in the Red Sea. Then they go a couple days, they get thirsty. No water. Why have you brought us out here? Again, grumbling. Why have you done this to us? Why are you letting us have any trouble? Why is this happening to us? They grumbled because there was a time they didn't have water. Then after that they were tested because there was no food. God gave them water out of a rock. God gave them food by raining down bread from heaven. Man. And then they continued to complain. Moses is up there in that mountain too long. We don't know what happened to this Moses. Let's build a, a golden calf. They build a golden calf. 
We don't know what became of this man Moses up in the mountain. You see the impatience of these people and the unwillingness to wait on the Lord and the grumbling. The grumbling and grumbling and grumbling at their circumstances. It just doesn't stop. Doesn't matter what God does, it doesn't stop. We have this manna, but we're sick of it. We want meat. Where's the meat? We had meat in Egypt. We don't have meat here. We had melons and cucumbers and onions in Egypt and garlic. We don't have that here. All we have is this stinking manna. And they're grumbling. They're never content. And they're always grumbling. And God said to Moses, I've seen this people. They're a stiff-necked people. They're hard in their hearts. God gives them meat. But the complaining just never stops with them. And finally, God sends them to go into the land of Israel. They complained about that too. Let's go back to Egypt. And they never went. It wasn't because God wasn't able to give it to them. Because of their unbelief. And their unwillingness. They never saw it. They never saw God at work and living by faith in the power of God. They never took God at His word. They always had to see it before they would believe it. That wasn't the way it was with Joshua and Caleb. That's the way it was for the rest of them. First Corinthians chapter nine. Paul talks about this very conflict. Corinthians 9, 27, the last verse, chapter 9. Yep, 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I discipline my body, or beat my body, into subjection. And the King James Version says, and make it my slave. So that when I have Preach to others, I myself should not become disqualified or become a castaway. Moreover, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant or unaware that all the fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea, or were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all drank, ate the same spiritual food, and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. 
But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they did, and not become idolaters as some of them did. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to play. Nor let us commit sexual morality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor let us complain or grumble as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and written for our warning, our learning, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There is no temptation that has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with that temptation will provide a way of escape. You may be able to bear it. In this message is a follow-up of that story of Moses and the children of Israel in Egypt and coming out of Egypt. That we should not follow their example of questioning God, of grumbling against God and questioning his deliverance. Moses said, you know, since we went to these to Pharaoh, he's made it worse and you didn't deliver them at all. No insight. The children of Israel, no insight. How about us? Do we have any insight? That God is making us and tempting to make of us men and women of faith. And bringing adversity in our life so that we can learn to trust Him when problems come up. We learn to be and to become people of faith. The people that are not blown about and grumbling and hardening our heart. And we hear the word of God, it doesn't do anything for us. What was the problem? The problem was very simple. God did not help them right away. Their deliverance was not immediate. Our flesh. No patience. No patience. They wanted to be helped when they wanted it. But that's not faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. They must hear the word of God and believe it. Or else they won't be helped. The children of Israel, through all that God brought them through, to try to train them to be people of faith. They never, ever, ever became people of faith. They never walked by faith. If you watch the whole story, read it from beginning to end, from the very beginning when God sends Moses, to the very end of the story, they never become people of faith. Their children did, but they did not. 
And their children became people of faith through watching everything they saw. And all the terrible things that happened to their parents. And they, they, they came to understand the reason why all those terrible things happened to their parents and they never entered the promised land was because they never walked by faith. They only walked by sight. And they died in the wilderness. They never entered the kingdom that God had for them. And Paul warns the same thing will happen to us. And what is his recommendation? Says, the apostle says, I myself must get control of my body and my spirit. In the book of Proverbs it says, a man who does not have control of himself, of his spirit, is like a city whose walls are broken down. It's defenseless. It's like a defenseless city. A man who does not control himself, does not have control over his spirit, does not have control over his body. So we must do what's necessary to get control of our bodies and make it do the will of God. Make it. So Paul says, I beat my body into subjection and make it my slave. Amen. And make it walk by faith and not listen to it. And all the demands of the flesh. I don't listen to that stuff. I don't make I don't let my body make me its slave. It's the other way around. Because if we don't make our bodies our slaves, it is going to be the other way around. Our flesh will rule over us. It's either going to be one or the other. And if our flesh rules over us, we're going to be influenced by the enemy. We're going to be influenced by Satan. We're going to be under his sway. But that's where it all starts. And Paul says, even though I'm an apostle, I'm not immune to this process. When God says Moses sends Moses back to Egypt, he says, go back to Egypt. We didn't read the story, but what happens on the way? The angel of the Lord was going to kill Moses. So why God sent him there to get killed? Because Moses, an Israelite, did not have respect for the covenant that God made to Abraham. You have to circumcise your children. He didn't circumcise his sons. God sent him back to Egypt. And on the way, God was going to kill Moses, bring judgment against him. His wife circumcised his son, with sons with a stone. It was because of the circumcision, and then the angel of the Lord let him go. Moses was not immune to the process. We can be a, a great man of God like Moses or Paul, but we are not above the Word of God. We must all respect the Word of God. And so you see that God is a holy God, and he hold, held a man accountable like Moses who he was sending to become a man of faith. But he was not above the word of God, even though God had chosen. We must fear God. Moses was learning to become a man of faith. Paul learned to become a man of faith. We must learn to become men and women of faith. We must understand that there's a process that God is putting us through 
to make us become what he wants us to be, men and women of faith. Must grow up. We must not be reactionary. This is happening and we react. They did. Look at their lives. That's all they did. They were reactionary. Things are going good. They're singing and dancing and playing tambourines and singing praises to the Lord, singing the song of Moses. Things go bad. Why is God doing this to us? Why isn't God hearing us? Why isn't God doing what he said? It's not that God had not laid it all out. It's, not, it's just that they weren't living by the word of God. Man does not live by food alone, bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We must learn that process. We must learn to live by the word of God, not by everything we see and hear. We must not be reactionaries. We must respond with self-control. That we don't react according to what we see. We don't react according to what we hear. We don't react according to our own will. We must lay all those things down. Crucify those things. Amen. And live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's where the real answer is. And if we're not doing that, Paul says we can fall like they did. He says, these things are written as a warning to us. Each of us as a Christian. It's written as a warning to us to not be unbelieving. Not be hard in heart. Live by the word of God. Not just by food, but by every word that proceeds by the mouth of God. When it says, well, how do we live by the word of God? We've got to look into the word of God. We've got to ask God to speak to us when we look into the Word of God. This is not a matter of scholarship. This is not a matter of just intellectual study. God has got to speak to us for it to be of any value. We must receive revelation from God. In other words, God has got to reveal to us His Word. 1 Corinthians says, that no man understands the things of God except the Spirit of God. We'll say, well, why are we going to read the Word of God then if, if no man can understand it? But Paul goes on to say, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things that God has given to us. Who might understand? It's through the Spirit of God that we understand all of this. Jesus said he would give us all his Spirit to teach us and to guide us. Teach us what? Teach us his Word. Reveal things from his Word to us. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So we have to come to God word have God revealed to us come to God ask him to reveal his word to us so we understand it and then when we understand it we live by whatever it says follow him follow 
what he says. Do what he says. Follow his teaching. Follow his life.